You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do this. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams and I believe GP for a little bit. Today, we're going to talk about social reorganization. How is it being done? How are they trying to reorganize society? How are social engineers pushing their agenda? How are they twisting the way that you see it? But first, I'm going to try and convince GP that if you (laughs) would join Parlor, you would Uh have a good time because that's where everybody's at. No censorship unless you're an extremist. No censorship. That's good stuff. I am an extremist. Extreme humanitarian. You can be an extreme humanitarian on there. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You can do that. It's a good platform. So they all say it first until thy first post. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing. I mean, I've seen stuff that people post and it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff on there I don't agree with because it's like it's the mob, whatever. But then at the same time, I'm starting to see people flow in from Twitter because mm. there's a campaign now called Twexit. They've started the campaign called Twexit, which is to get people off of Twitter. So the ones that are that don't like the way that this this cult is moving, the, the way that this is this agenda is being pushed by the left, uh-huh. it's people are starting to to walk away from it and they're saying, well, where are we going to go? You know, people still want to be connected. They still want to be on social media. So they will jump over to places like Parler. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that I'm running into over there, they actually call themselves red pill Democrats because. You know how you know the analogy with the red pill and the blue pill. Blue pill, you know, you're Mm -hmm. asleep. Red pill, you're awake. These are traditional Democrats that don't go along with this extremist mob, and now they've come over to another platform and said, "Hey, wait a minute! People here are talking sense. They're being nice. What is this?" And so Uh it it becomes a you know it just it just becomes a thing where people start bouncing their ideas off. You know, somebody told me the other day, a listener actually that we picked up from from Parlor, they actually left a comment for us on there on one of my feeds and said that it was so refreshing for them to sit down and listen to us. And thank you very much for that comment, by the way. It was so refreshing for them to sit down and listen to us because it sounded like we actually put thought into what we're saying before we jump off the deep end. Right. And that's true. That's what we do. Right. We, we have the dialogue and we have the exchange and then we present that that thought forward. And it's up to the listener to decide whether or not that's what they want to go with. And that's that's what it's all about. It's not about us sitting here feeding opinions to you. Right. Everyone is entitled to their own opinion, whatever that might be. I don't agree with extremists. I don't care what side you come from. But if someone can actually sit down and listen to a conversation about real thoughts, real issues, not the synthetic crap you see on television or in the papers. Right. Those are just talking points. Those are fed talking points. But what we talk about here are real things, because you don't see this kind of discussion on television. You don't hear this kind of discussion on average radio. You just don't. I mean, in some cases you do, but it's few and far between. And the ones that are up there at the top are the ones that have the biggest targets painted on their backs. You know what? I will have a target painted on my back all day long. I don't care. I don't care because people have to stand for their convictions now. They have to stand for them now because the mobs and the extremists on both sides are getting worse. They're getting worse. So people have to stand for what they believe in. This garbage about people going out and kneeling. No, sir. No, sir. That we fought a war to make sure that we didn't do that. Americans don't bow to other men. 
Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Those that do, you're weak and you're pathetic. That's what they are. Offense to your mayor, GP. Because <laughs> uh, he's, mayor, a, sure. he's, a, he's a chicken neck little weasel, you know, going out there and doing mm-hmm. that. And you know what? It's never enough. It's never enough. You cannot appease the mob. You cannot appease the mob. Doesn't happen. So I digress. But anyway, I'm, now I'm ranting already. So the first five minutes. No, I'm going to let you. I'm going to. I'll let you rant. I'll uh, <laughs> I'll let you rant. I just want to point out, I did not realize we were recording, and I would typed in the middle of you talking at one point, so I apologize. I, I didn't realize we were recording either. I hit the button that I was going to make a point, but then I was going to cut that, but then I just started, and that's where it ended up. So <laughs> I guess See, it's we'll making it organic. Yeah, yeah. Very organic. It's organic. Yeah, it's, it's organic. organic. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, where where do you guys want to start? Do you, well, GP. I don't think you're going to stay here. It hurts. No, me I'm going to. That you're not going to be research. here. But you will be back in about 45 minutes on our side project, won't you? Apparently. Okay. So we will be. <laughs> yes. I'll see, I'll see we will. Now I know that we're talking kind of secretively on that, but you know what? There's a reason for that, and we will clue people in as to what that is. And you will have access to that when the time is right. But right now is not the right time. But we will release information on that in the coming days at some point, I hope. Uh, but anyway. All right. GP, thanks. So, Bruce, you want to get into Atlanta? Sure. Yeah, we can jump in there. OK. All right. Let's let's jump to Atlanta. Right. This is the big thing. Right. The, the Richard Brooks case. Mm-hmm. The cop who did this has been charged with felony murder, which you and I sat down and we watched the tapes. We watched the recordings. Right. We, we watched the surveillance video. We watched the body cam footage. Everything I'm seeing, and I've talked to other cops, I've, I've talked to, to people I know who are cops, and they tell me the same thing. They've watched the video. They're shift sergeants. They're shift lieutenants. They've all looked at the video, and they're telling me the same thing. They're, they're all saying the same thing. The guy did nothing wrong. The officer. The guy did nothing wrong. The officer did nothing wrong. He was in the right. This is how they're trained. This is how officers in other states are trained. One thing you have to understand, the United States does not have a federal police department. We don't have that, as opposed to some other countries, how you have a national police type thing. The United States doesn't have that. Each state is responsible and each locale is responsible for their own police departments, uh, state certification for that particular police department of that locale. So, You have to understand it's a completely different system, but all officers are pretty much trained about the same way in general when it comes to certain things, especially when it comes to the use of deadly force. Now, if a police officer's life in the United States, you know, I can't speak for other countries here, but in the United States, if a police officer feels as though his life is in danger, then they are authorized to use deadly force if necessary. That's just the way that it is. This guy was assaulting officers that were on the ground, reached for the reached for his taser, grabbed his taser, and ran off. As he's running, he turns. You can clearly see this on the video. He turns. He fires the taser. The officer that was pursuing him falls against an automobile that was parked. And so the officer behind him thought it's entirely possible that that officer was hit with the taser, so he would go down. Three shots were then discharged from the officer's gun, and the suspect was put down. So, two yeah, the, he, by the way, two... Two of the three shots hit him. By the Two way. of the three shots hit him. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Okay. I wasn't wasn't aware of that. But that's what happened. The officer is not in the wrong here. He's not. He's not. Because you put it yesterday, Bruce, if that officer had been tased, if he had gone down, what's to stop that suspect from coming over and grabbing his gun and putting one in the officer? What's to stop him from yep. doing that? In the midst of that scuffle, yep. in, in the midst of all that, that resisting arrest, 
And they were by the book on that. You know, I've taken many of individuals into custody myself, and it happens like that sometimes. They're calm. They are cooperating. There are no issues. They're working with you. And then all of a sudden, when you realize, okay, I'm going to have to cuff this person, and you place them under arrest, in the process, they just snap, right? It, it happens. In that respect, when it came to them placing him into custody, they were by the book. They were by the book. The same thing when it comes to the use of deadly force in this case. You know, we watched the tapes. I've had officers watch the tapes. I've had officers tell me they've watched the tapes. Their supervisors have watched the tapes. They're all saying the same thing. Just real quick, the, the reason I was pointing out the two of three shots hit the suspect, one of the charges against this police officer is one count of criminal damage to property which I'm assuming that's probably the one shot that missed. Okay, so what happens now? So now the officer, first of all, the officer was fired by the mayor. Well, the mayor came out and, well, the the mayor didn't fire them, but uh, the mayor put pressure on on the police department and they fired the officer. Now that officer's been charged with felony murder. And how many other charges? 10 other charges? So do you you want to read off the list of charges you got there? Sure. Um, So 11 charges total, uh, five counts of aggravated assault, four counts of violation of oath of office, and one count of criminal damage to property. Okay, so those charges are not going to stick. They're not going to stick. There's no way. The officers of the Atlanta Police Department in, I think, a couple of precincts down there, they're now walking out. I think they, and I don't mean quitting, I mean they're calling out. They're calling off. They're not showing up for work. Don't blame them one bit. I don't blame them either. I don't blame him either. But here's the problem. The problem is in the administration offices. The problem is in the mayor's office. There's your problem. The problem's not the officers. The officers all across the United States are being vilified. Why are they being vilified? Because you have sick, twisted cult members that are trying to reorganize the society. And they have the media on board. And they have politicians in key places that are carrying the message. They are in turn fueling the social movement at the bottom of society to push up, to push for change. And so they're vilifying police officers to try and somehow discredit them in the public eye. When in the majority of the public eye, they're in favor of the police. You look at any poll out there, it shows 80% of the public favors police officers. But you have a minority. You have a small minority of insane people that are trying to vilify the police. Case in point, Seattle, okay? Seattle, Washington. What's going on out there right now with this this uh, this Chaz deal, this Capitol Hill autonomous zone? What's going on out there? They took over. It's chop now, by the way. It's chop. It's chop. I forgot about that. Yeah, chop. Well, whatever. They took over six to eight city blocks. Okay, depends on whatever day and whatever news article you read. They took over six to eight city blocks. They ran the police out. That was one of the first things they did. They took over the police precinct down there. I believe it was precinct one. So it was like one of their main uh, police precincts. They took that over. They ran the police out. They set up barricades. And what did they do an hour after they ran the police out? What did they do? They armed vigilantes and stuck them in there. It's it's giving them a bit of credit saying they ran them out. That was actually the mayor saying. Pull okay, out, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. was the it was the useless mayor out there that said pull them out. Yes, okay, and yeah. to the credit of the police chief, I'm not going to bash the police chief in this case. She said that she didn't even want to make the call to pull them, have the officers pull out. She wanted to keep them in there, but of course it was the useless mayor uh, that said to pull them out of there. My point is, is that they will replace, and I'm talking about the extremists, the ones that want to reorganize society. They want the police gone because they know that they are the criminals. 
They are the criminals. They are the ones that need to be arrested. These mayors need to be arrested. These administrators need to be arrested. These governors need to be arrested. The ones in these higher up offices that are that are making these decisions to tell the police to stand down. They're telling the police to stand down because what they're doing is illegal. And so they're making the police irrelevant so they can energize the hordes and turn them onto the rest of society to force the rest of society into capitulation, into submission, to accepting their new social order. That's where these people are at. That's how sick these people are. And so until you have good police, which most police are good, you know, I've, I've worked with countless, countless good police officers, good sheriff's departments, good federal officers. And until you have good police arrest the people that are making the calls, I don't see of any way to fix it. You have police that are walking out in Atlanta, for example. Well, them walking out sends a message and it, it, it sends a statement. But what of the general public? What about the ones in the general public that want the police, that need the police protection, that need the services of the good officers out there? What about them? You've got the mayor in Atlanta, who's possibly a vice president pick, by the way, for Joe Biden. She's out saying that, oh, we will be OK. Lady, you're not going to be OK. No police in a major American city? Have you lost your mind? Do you have any idea what kind of message you're sending to the communities out there that rely on police protection? Do you even think about what you're saying? So until the right people are arrested and taken off of the chessboard, nothing's going to change. And that's my stance on it. You got any thoughts on that? No, that that's pretty much the way it is. They, they have to go after these um, politicians and whatnot that are, that mm-hmm. are causing all this. Uh, I, I don't know what else to do, honestly, past that. Okay. All right. Let's jump up to the Supreme Court. So what have they done now? Right. We talked about the Supreme Court two days ago. What what have they done now? DACA. Okay. Um, so there this was is a, a controversial. ruling on DACA. Yeah. This is the controversial thing about legalizing. Uh, the, it, was, it was the Dreamers, right? That's, that's what the DACA thing was? Yeah. Dreamers Act, I believe. Yeah. Let's see. So they were, was... un, they were undocumented, brought into the United States as children. So here, here's my issue with this. This was something that Trump had talked about for a while was was DACA. The idea here was to, I, I believe this started under the Cuban refugee crisis. I think that's when this started. I can't remember. I can't remember. But well, these mean, are the DACA children. Is, of, go ahead. Well, deferred action of childhood arrivals. The, the, the actual act began under Obama, right? That was 2012, I believe. Okay, and then Trump's been looking to shut it down, remove it. Well, this idea that that we're going to I I mean, you know what they want here. You you know what the the system wants here. They just want to legalize illegals. That's all they want to do. Now, I've said here before and all of us have said here before, none of us, not one of us are against immigration. We're not against immigration. I myself am a product of immigration. I'm a product of immigration. And by that, I mean my family, both sides, went to America from different parts of Europe and had families. And I came out of that. I'm a third generation American, essentially. That's what I am. So for me to sit here and be against immigration, well, that doesn't really do much to say uh, that really doesn't say much about my character because I myself am a product of immigration. So I can't be against it. And I'm not against it. I never have been. But I also understand that we have a process. And when you go through that process, you learn what it is to be an American. You learn what it is to appreciate to be an American. You leave that old life of yours behind and you start anew. But see, the system, they don't want you to understand that. They don't want you to have a connection to something traditional. They don't want you to have a connection to something that is an established set of rights that give you, the citizen, the power and the government nothing. 
That's what they don't want. They don't want people to understand that they have rights. They would rather just bring people into a country, legalize them, and not bring them into the system of, well, here's your rights. Well, they come from places a lot of times, and their families come from places a lot of times through no fault of their own. They come from places where they don't have rights. They don't know that they have rights. And so when you bring them to a country that does have rights and they don't learn what those rights are, well, then there's nothing you can fight for, is there, to keep. There's nothing you can fight to keep. So they don't understand. That's what it all comes down to. When it comes to DACA with these dreamers and the children of of immigrants and things, okay, I'm all for them to become citizens, but not from a stroke of a pen. I understand there's a long backlog in the United States to become a citizen. Happens. We have a lot of people that want to go there. So there is a long process. So I get it. But in this case, they've been there for what is it like? Some of them have been there for what, 20 years, 30 years? They're adults now. So why can't we just put them onto a fast track? Why can't we do that? I'm all for that. Mm. They're a DACA person. I'm all for them becoming citizens, but let them go through the process, but speed it up. They've been there long enough. They're working. So they're, they're working. They have fam- they're starting to have families of their own. Let them go through the process of becoming a citizen. Put them at the front of the line and let them go through the process. I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm 100% on board with that. What is so complicated about that? Well, it goes back to everything that I just mentioned. They don't want anyone to have any connection of any kind when it comes to understanding that you have rights, because then if you understand, well, hey, I've got these rights, these things sound pretty good. Uh, I might want to keep these and, and not have them taken away. So I'm going to fight for those. Now, nah, see, they don't want that. They, they don't want you to have that. They don't want you to have that mindset and they don't want you to have that mindset to pass on to your children. That's what it comes down to. Your thoughts on DACA? I'm actually kind of torn on it. So uh, the ones that have been here for 20 years that came here as kids, right? They were mm-hmm. um, the parents were illegals. They, they didn't come here legally. And the kids have been living here for, you know, X amount of years, whatever it is. And they've been staying here illegally, technically, but have been otherwise not criminal in any way, right? Why, especially for the ones that have been here for 20 years, did you not try to go through the system and become a legal citizen? First question. And second question, why do we give special privileges to someone who's illegal? I'm very like hardline. We have a legal process for this. I'm, I'm not very compassionate in this sense because yeah, you've been here a while. You're starting your own families now, but you knew the entire time you were illegal. Like you weren't a documented citizen and you knew that was against our laws. Why didn't you do anything? That, that, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not real. I don't, I don't know where to go on this one because I, I, I do want immigration, but I want it legal and I, I, want, I want the process and fast tracking it. Uh, I mean, I, I guess because they already have a family started and everything, but I don't know. It, th- this one is actually really a tough one for me. I, I see your point when uh, when you raise those issues. So I, honestly, man, I don't know. What did they actually? OK, so I'm just curious. What, what did they actually decide if, if this is the case? I, I understand they ruled in favor, of, but is that to actually make the DACA recipients legal or is this just to allow them an easier path. What what is the signify by them doing this? My understanding is, is Trump wanted this completely removed, right? Done away with. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, no, you, you can't do that. And apparently they've basically said that the ruling suggested there are legal administrative methods Trump could cancel DACA. But basically they're, they're saying we can't, we're not going to do anything about it you're going to have to do something about it is basically what what this boiled down to. I see. So essentially, as 
uh, Jesus Contreras put it. Uh, he's a uh, he's a paramedic under DACA who came to the U.S. from Mexico as a child. He said that uh, he knows it's not the end of the battle. Uh, we still have to fight for legislation. But right now, it's a good feeling to know that we're protected and at least safe for now. So this is going to continue on then. Right. Is that what you're saying? Yep. This okay. is this is going to continue on. And I don't uh, honestly, I don't know where it's going to go from here. I guess we'll just have to wait and see because, I I mean, it took what? It took three and a half years for this to get on the docket in the Supreme Court. So, you know what I think this is? I think this is a political game for the Supreme Court. They don't want their legacy to be marred by, well, we're the ones that got rid of DACA. I think that's all this is. Do you think that it also plays into the other rulings that they've been making lately? Which ones? The, the left-leaning ones? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you could call them that. Yeah. So Robert's back at Obamacare, right? When he ruled in favor of Obamacare, saying it was constitutional, which it's not. But when he said it was, one of the things that he said was he wanted he wanted his legacy to be remembered as um, you know being for Obamacare, basically. And therein lies my problem. He's more concerned about his image than he is about the Constitution. So I, I think that's yeah. All it okay. Is. All right. Yeah. So it's political football. All right. Yeah. So yeah. Let's talk about Tulsa. We're hearing all this talk about sure. Trump wants to get back on the campaign trail, but oh, COVID's coming back. You know, that evil COVID, we got to worry about that now. You know, that, that has to come back. So Trump postponed his rally down there for, what was it, a day? He, he postponed it. And now you've got the guys like Fauci that are coming back out saying that he wouldn't go to a Trump rally. I wouldn't expect you to go to a Trump rally, Tony. I wouldn't expect you to go there because you're not on board with any of that stuff, are you? So why would you go to a Trump rally? Would you go to a Biden rally? Well, the guy can't even talk. But now Trump's going to get back on the campaign trail. But the media is calling this a dangerous idea. Oh, the people out there burning streets down and and, and smashing out businesses and looting and and setting fire to everything. That's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's not dangerous. But if Trump wants to have a rally and don't don't sit here thinking that I'm playing party politics, I'm certainly not doing that. You know, I I would be saying the same thing if, if it was Biden. If they were if the media was jumping all over Biden saying, oh, well, it's dangerous to go to a Biden rally. But see, <laughs> that, that's not going to happen because Biden can't even get a high school gymnasium filled up. National Guard soldiers have been activated for the Trump rally. Why are they doing this? Added security. So it's, it's Trump's idea too... or is it the governor's idea to, to have it done? I'm, I'm just wondering. I, I want to make sure that this isn't a ploy by these these social engineers to try and make this look a lot worse than what it actually is. That That's my thing. Okay, let me pull it up and look into detail on it. It could be the governor. We have a fairly decent governor that's as okay, a I force multiplier to help secure yeah. safety zones around the downtown. Be okay. Center. Okay, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's actually, okay, so it's done for safety. Okay, that's why. I would assume yeah. that this is because of the, the mobs we're seeing in the streets, and they're probably going to show yeah. up there and create a problem and start protesting. And they'll th- because, you know, just as well as I do. And so does the listener. They are begging for a fight in the streets, aren't they? They're begging for it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not getting it. And that's honestly, this is by I, I think this is absolutely a, a good idea uh, having the National Guard in here because by showing a, a strong show of force, it'll discourage people from from doing anything stupid. So. I think this is a good idea. Okay, so yeah, he wants to uh, he wants to get back on the campaign trail. Now I wonder, are they going to do this in every state now? If that's the case, because there's going to no, be rallies. Doubtful. You know, there, there's there's going to be rallies, but this is going to be the big one though to, to kick it off, right? To to get back out there. I think Tulsa is going to be the first one. Is that correct, or has he already done one? I believe Tulsa is the first one. But I mean, this is this is Trump territory down here. Like people are for Trump, so 
I imagine places that are for Trump, you might actually see him using the National Guard to ensure nothing happens. Or if the governor is, you know, has some intelligence about them, they'll call in the National Guard to, to help with security if, if the police force isn't adequate enough for it. Honestly, I, I don't even think that that's a factor here. Even if the police force is adequate enough to do it, by having the National Guard in there, you have that extra force there. It's a deterrent just as much as actual security. So, yeah. The Associated Press, you know how reliable they are. They're coming out with their little, you know, usual hit pieces. And they're saying that many fear that Trump's visit to Tulsa could spark violence. This is precisely what they want. That's what they want. Yeah. They want yeah. the violence. So what's going to happen? You're going to have, of course, you're going to have a protester. You know, you're going to have the one thing you can always count on the extremists for. You can always count on a mob for hire, right? You can always count on that. So they're going to be out there. They're going to be handing out money. They're going to be handing out cash. I guarantee. When's this supposed to happen? Is this coming up this week? Uh, this is coming up Saturday, I believe. Saturday. Okay. So in two days, I guarantee you yeah. they've been advertising since last week to get people down there. And they're probably paying them. Every time you see one of these political rallies somewhere, we, we always catch advertisements. Alex sends those things to me all the time. They're paying people like Soros outfits, right? Th those types of organizations. They're paying people $200 a day to be protesters, a paid protester. Well, if you're out there being paid to protest, you don't stand for anything. I mean... Yeah. Anyway. So, yes, this is what's happened. You've got some church leaders now that have come out from uh, the Metropolitan Baptist Church. One of their ministers has come out and he said that um, we're all terribly concerned. I'm hearing rumors of people coming from both sides who may be inclined to incite some kind of physical conflict or war of words. What? So we're afraid of words now? I guess we've been afraid of words for quite some time. And he says, that yeah. worries me. He says, that worries me. So another, uh, let me see, Mark Lewis, a black community organizer and founder of We the People Oklahoma. You see how they do that. Mm. All of those things. Yeah, all of those things. He, he's speaking here on the deployment of the National Guard. He says, all of those things are the backdrop for Donald Trump's visit. His visit is definitely inflammatory. So what? He's not even no. allowed to go out? He's not even allowed to go out and give a speech anywhere? I mean, I, I don't care. Like I said, I don't care who it is. Donald Trump, Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton. I don't care what they just because you don't agree with them. They can't go out. They're campaigning for president. I didn't agree with Barack Obama. I didn't agree with George Bush. But that doesn't mean, oh, uh, it's, it's going to be inflammatory if they come around this community. Well, it might very well be, but it's their right to do so. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry. Swallow your pride if you have any and get over it. God, this 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 snowflake society, man, I'm telling you. It's All right. Man. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I can't stand it. OK, so with that animosity, with that type of animosity, there was a poll that came out. Uh, this is out of Breitbart. There was a poll that came out, says that 34 percent. Now, we talked about it polls before, right? How they're. Um, yeah. Did you did you see this? Did, did I post this article so you can look at it? Yeah. Yeah. You posted it. It was in riots. Yeah. OK. Says that 34 percent of Americans, excuse me, 34 percent of American voters think a second civil war is likely. And you know what? I do, too. As much as I hate to say that, because it's unnecessary. It's not necessary for that to happen. But you see the people that are out there that are pushing for it. Now, they might not come out and say, oh, yes, we're pushing for a civil war. But in the actions that they're taking, you know, they want it. You know, they want it. So one in three voters, I'm just going to go down through this. One in three voters believes that the United States could face another civil war soon. And you know, I've been of that impression for going on 10 years now. Uh, but it's just the reason I'm saying that is because you know I, I know history and I, I see trends and I, and I see how 
I see how these things work. Uh, and so when you have an unhinged group of people in a society, I don't care what country it is, they tend to want to come along and overthrow that society. And I'm talking about a very small minority of people and reorganize it and restructure it and, and burn everything down uh, and start all over with their version of what a society should be. Are we or are we not seeing that? I'll just leave that one hanging there. So unrest is raging across the country over issues of race, policing, and the upcoming presidential election. The only reason right there, the only reason those three things are being perpetuated is because they're being pushed by one side. That's the only reason. Until Donald Trump, we had none of that. Well, okay, we, I can't say we had none of that, but a Rasmussen poll. Okay, so this came out of Rasmussen. They released the poll on Monday and they said 34% of likely U.S. voters. What's a likely U.S. voter? Is it just they don't ask or, or what? What's a likely U.S. voter? Uh, I think it's someone that's voted in the past. Okay. So 34% of likely U.S. voters think the United States will experience a second civil war sometime in the next five years. But that includes only 9% who say it is very likely. This compares to 31% and 11% respectively two years ago. So see, that percentage has gone up. When divided by party, 40% of Republicans said a second civil war was on the horizon, while 28% of Democrats said the same. That's because they're not awake yet. Among voters not affiliated with either party, 38% see the possibility of a civil war, which they uh, they seem to have. Those the, the ones that are not affiliated with either party, those are the ones that have kind of, you know, like us, that have kicked themselves out of the system. And so now they're kind of, you know, taking it upon themselves to, to see things as they are. Those aren't necessarily just independents. But 39% of all voters believe that the removal of the Confederate symbols, names and monuments throughout the country honoring those who fought in the first civil war will help race relations. How is erasing history helpful for that? You have to understand history and understand what you went through to make sure that you don't repeat those same mistakes. This, this sick idea that we have to erase history so we can correct those mistakes and move forward is, is lunacy. That's lunacy. You have to understand where you come from, good and bad, so you can be a better person, a better country, a better society. And you can promote those better values that you create through learning from past experiences onto the next generation. And the process repeats. Clearly, when I see these idiots out there who have no connection to reality, they have no connection to any type of logic, reason or common sense, like how I use that. <laughs> they have no connection to any of this stuff. They're social engineers. They want to reorganize society in their disgusting image. That's their purpose. History was a learning experience. And the idea of taking that learning experience and capitalizing on it, we spoke, we spoke yesterday about making the mistakes. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. We're human. But you have to understand how to take those mistakes and turn them into a strength and how to drive yourself forward. The same works in, in a society. You make mistakes. You become better. You learn from those mistakes. You become better. And you instill those better principles that you've learned about yourself onto the next group of people coming up. But see, we haven't done that. We haven't done that. We failed in the universities. We failed there. But anyway, moving right along, 27% disagree with removing those monuments and think that it will hurt relations race relations instead. It will. These numbers are reversed from August of 2017 when 28% said the removal of symbols would help race relations. You know what? I'm so sick of this talk. I'm so sick of this talk. 
And it's meant to be that way, to be honest with you, because that's what they want. They want you to become so frustrated that you just give up. But I'm tired of hearing about it. When it comes to police. Yeah. When it comes to police, women and those under 40 are more supportive of the current anti-police protests and the anti-Confederacy drive than men and older voters. And I can make reference to that. I mean, the, the women's movement in the United States, the militant wing of it, I'm not talking about the ones that you know, gave women the rights to vote and and all that stuff. I mean, that those are those are positive aspects. But this militant, you know, feminist wave, whatever this this garbage is that they do, that's not feminism. Real feminism is is women being empowered, women owning guns, women raising children, having a strong nuclear family. That's real feminism working together, men and women side by side, equally sharing responsibility, raising a family together, making sacrifices helping one another out in a partnership, that is real feminism. Not this garbage that they promote in in TV and in the movies, but that's real feminism, both supporting each other. Because I'll be honest with you, I mean, women are, I mean, they're the pinnacle of the family. They are. They're the ones that keep things in line. They're the ones that run the households. And so they're the ones that call the shots and they keep that family strong and they keep it together. And they also have a higher pain tolerance, by the way. <laughs> just that's just a fact. But uh, nonetheless, this new uh, this new movement, right? It's it's convinced uh, it's convinced women that you you don't need the police, you don't need uh, the you don't need the family, you don't need this because the state then becomes the new man in the relationship. So they try to split things because they know that the nuclear family is what our founding principles are based upon here in the West. They know that that's what keeps society together, having a unified family, a man and a woman together, or you know whatever you might be, but having a strong family unit. See, each family traditionally functions as its own independent economic entity. And we've had that before. If you had issues in a household, if you had issues in, in a family, then nine times out of 10 in the past, the issues were kept in the family. No one else was privy to that. No one else was brought in from the outside to be concerned with that, be it financial or relationship wise or or whatever. It was handled within the family. But see, now that that institution has been under attack for the last 50 years, all that's gone away. So now they've been able to divert the focus of the nuclear family to the power of the state. This is how they flipped it. So for them to come out and say that women and those under 40, which Again, university students and education institutions, women and those under 40 are more supportive of current anti-police protests. This is why, because they're on board with the social engineering. They've been flipped. That institution's been destroyed. They've been reeducated. They're looking at the ideas from the social engineers that are looking to re-engineer the society. So this is how they get turned on to that. Younger voters worry most about another civil war. Of course they do. Because they don't want to fight in it. They don't have any dog in that fight. They're snowflakes, most of them. According to a 2017 Rasmussen survey, most Americans do not think their peers know much about the nation's history and have skepticism of school's textbook accuracy. Yes, yes, we know that, don't we? We know that people don't have any knowledge of our history. We know that. This is, again, this goes back to the Supreme Court ruling. This is why they don't want people to go through the process of becoming naturalized citizens, because they don't want them to learn about the nation's history. They don't want them to learn about the founding. They don't want them to learn about the idea that you have rights and that you have traditions and governments have restrictions. They're not allowed to do certain things to the society and have skepticism of the school's textbook accuracy. We know that they're changing things as we speak. They're changing it right now. Bruce, they're changing stuff in the in the dictionaries, right? 
They're, they're changing yeah. all this stuff. Like we know what yeah. they're doing. We know that, that this is why I like physical books. If you're a book reader, if you like nonfiction books, if you like books on ideologies or geopolitics or history, you must buy these books in physical copy and get them as soon as you can because digital book burning is coming. It's coming. People are here. It, well, it's it's already here, but we're just seeing the initial start of it. Like when it comes to mm-hmm. this, it was getting to a point where I knew it was getting dire last year when I saw that George Soros bought Encyclopedia Britannica. So that's going to be redone. That That's all that's going to be redone. So physical copies of books, you must have physical copies of books because they will digitally burn that book. I've always argued with people about Kindles, iPads, all that stuff, because people say, oh, well, don't you just want a Kindle to get rid of all those books? No. And they say, why? And I was saying this 10 years ago. And I say, because they will digitally burn that book at some point. And people would laugh at me. They would just laugh at me. When you move everything to digital form, especially controlled by these big tech companies, what's going to happen? They will change history right before your very eyes. You go and you read a book one day, you learn that real history. You learn that real geopolitical strategy. You learn that real meaning behind whatever event it is you're reading about. And then the next day you think, oh, you know what? I want to go back and I want to read that again. And it's different. They change it. Digital book burning is coming. Buy physical books. I can't stress that enough. And this is another reason I think why Amazon's kind of gotten in and taken over the publishing industry and they're pushing their e-reader so much because I I think that although they are one of the safer companies right at the moment, you know, it's it's just another thing. But digital books, I mean, I will take the digital book when I have no other alternative, right? I'm reading a digital book right now because I'm not because I don't want to pay two hundred dollars for the physical book. I'm just not doing it. Sorry. So I will. I will take that um, and I will print that off uh, and I'll keep it that way, uh, which I can do that. So uh, anyway, as recently as last November, 73 percent of American adults said Americans should be proud of the history of the United States. We should. (laughs) But 32 percent of Democrats share the New York governor Andrew Cuomo's view that we're not going to make America great again. It was never that great. Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember that. Well, if it's not that Mm -hmm. great and it's never been great, then why are you there? Why are you there? Why are you holding an office that you swear an allegiance to the Constitution of the United States? If you think it's not that great, then why are you there, Governor? Go home, if that's the case. Go find a date. You go on TV and you ask for a date. Maybe go join your brother on CNN. How about that? They polled. Okay, so I love this. They say, okay, 34% of of Americans. I wasn't polled. Bruce, were you polled? I wasn't polled. No. No? No? Okay. I'm not. Well, Real quick, I, just just to point this out, uh-huh. I know this pollster is considered reliable and pretty good, but their methodology, they called a thousand people on the phone. Uh-huh. That, that's how they did it. A thousand people. That's it. Yeah. OK, that doesn't uh, speak. In for, other words, I don't I don't like it. Y- yeah, that, I don't like it either. That doesn't speak for 34 percent of Americans. Sorry, that doesn't speak for 350 million people. When you call a thousand people, that doesn't speak for 350 million. Sorry, 54. <laughs> They also claim their margin of error is what two point four percent or or so or something something like that. Let me let me pull that again. Uh, see what they said their margin of error was. It said somewhere in here. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't like the pollsters. None of them so far that I've looked into. When you when you actually look into their method methodology, it's not it's not reliable. Plus or minus three points. That's what it was. Percent points. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk social media. Yeah. 
Okay. Congress is now targeting social media companies for circulating Chinese propaganda. New investigation finds that Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube are permitting communist misinformation. You think? <laughs> you think? That's kind of been going on for quite some time, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. Shall I say the uh, YouTube and WHO collusion? Just saying. Uh, and we know that Facebook and Twitter are in Google, for that matter, are in bed with uh, the CCP. We know that. We know that. And we know that they're giving cover to these extremist groups. We know that. You've had people come out and give interviews, talking about former employees, giving interviews, talking about how they would report this information. This is how these groups are organizing. This is who they're advertising to. But they have deniability. You know, I, I read yesterday that Google was removing news sites from Zero Hedge and The Federalist and a, and a couple of others because of the comments, that, not even because of the content, but it was because of the comments that people were leaving on the site underneath the uh, the news articles. Well, what, because a company doesn't have platform status, they get revoked if someone leaves a comment on there? Well, if that's the case, you can shut anybody down. Well, how, I'm sorry, just because you have platform status, that doesn't give you, no, that doesn't give you immunity from that. If that's the case, if we're knocking down news organizations, whether you agree with them or not, it's a side issue. But you can't police all those comments on there. You do the best you can with it. But you can't police all those comments on there. I don't care who it is. But what would be Unfortunately, though. Go ahead. Platform status. Platform status doesn't apply to them. News agencies, because they're content creators and putting stuff out there. Right. uh, The way the laws are worded, they don't get any protection. So any any kind of comment that's placed on there by another person that's not affiliated with them at all, they're still under liability to moderate that. Yes. But in this case, you've got these companies, you've got Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. They're they're promoting CCP propaganda. So mm-hmm. where is the oversight on that? I mean, you talk about misinformation. You, you talk about people that are carrying a, a message of an agenda. Well, then where's that? Because yeah. this could be I mean, where, where's the oversight on that? Because you could make the same argument here. What, you have a platform status so you can carry communist propaganda? No, no. If anything, that should make you more susceptible to being monitored, if that's the case. Because you're aligned with an ideology that seeks to end our very existence when it comes to our way of life. So, investigators of the House Foreign Affairs Committee have been pressing Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube which is Google, by the way, to deplatform Chinese Communist Party officials and news outlets for disseminating propaganda, particularly related to the coronavirus. Go figure. Uh, which, by the way, the Wall G Journal, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, they're now saying that um, you know the world braces for another outbreak from a uh, from a Chinese market. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's uh, it's all infected in this. You know, seafood's all infected in meat, but see, they don't know where it came from quite yet. You know, so we, we need to be paying attention anyway. You know, go, go sell that to some snowflake and Chaz, please. Each of the sites has failed to take adequate action because that's where they moved their offices to. Just saying. In most cases, Communist Party propaganda freely circulates on these sites without labels identifying the information as questionable. Of course not, because why? Facebook and Google and Twitter have employed fact checkers. Do you remember that, Bruce? The fact checkers? Mm, yes. Right. We had the fact checker for Facebook who was hired by Mark Zuckerberg to be the fact checker for the coronavirus articles and information that were being posted across Facebook. She was the fact checker. Who was she? Her name was Danielle Anderson. No relation. Go look her up. And where does she come from? She was from the Wuhan lab that was in question from the virus from being released in the first place. So she's now all of a sudden going to be the, uh, the the overarching arbitrator 
<laughs> when it comes to that. She, she's going to be the arbiter of truth. Sorry. No. The World Health Organization aligned themselves with YouTube, right? With Google in this case, because that's that's who owns YouTube. YouTube made a statement. The CEO came out and said, we're going to follow the narrative of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization is compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. The information you're getting there should be questionable. It shouldn't be fact. You should question all of it. While each of these sites has begun aggressively policing conservative provocateurs, true, and even President Donald Trump, true, they've been lax about applying the same standards to Chinese officials and state-controlled news outlets that regularly traffic in unfounded conspiracy theories. Well, you know, that's to your own, that's to your own opinion. I, I don't, personally believe anything from Chinese state media. So, I mean, that's, you know, if you think that it's a conspiracy theory, well, you're going to have to look up stuff up for yourself. In many cases, these websites allowed communist leaders and outlets to post outright lies about the coronavirus pandemic, including the claim that American military leaders created the virus and planted it in China. <laughs> I remember that, don't you? Do you remember that story? Yeah. Oh, no, it didn't come yeah. from China. No, 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 no. I came from the United States. Well, initially, you could argue that. You could argue part of it did. So... I mean, yeah, I mean, th there was some truth to that. Doesn't necessarily mean that the entire thing was created in the United States and then planted over there. That's what they would like you to believe, the CCP would, but that's not quite how it went. So they're giving you the truth, the whole truth, and everything but the truth. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. The investigation run by House Foreign Affairs Committee Representative Michael McCall, a Republican of Texas, is part of a broader effort by congressional leaders to crack down on China's influence operations in the United States, which, you know what, we still haven't done this yet. Uh, and I've got the paper right here. This is uh, I've got congressional testimony here. And you know what? We'll go over it probably sooner rather than later. I, I've been meaning to do this. This is how China will influence foreign powers and use something called sharp power. The Chinese Communist Party will use something called sharp power to shape and influence democratic institutions, most notably universities. They will infiltrate universities through their what they call their Confucius Institutes. And so it's essentially, it's, it's congressional testimony. It talks about the Intelligence Committee, all 16 branches of it. They got together and they're talking about how sharp power works and essentially how the Chinese Communist Party will infiltrate these organizations here in the West, not just in the United States, but in all Western nations. They do this all over the world. And it talks about how they get into publishing, they get into media, they get into academia, they get into entertainment, uh, they get into technology, which... You know, the the uh, the great firewall. Where did that come from? They get into crony capitalism. So they'll they'll buy their way into our markets, get into uh, uh, different forms of an uh, of hard asset investment. Example, our farmland. A lot of our farmland has been sold out to the Chinese powers. A lot of our pork production, the U.S.'s largest pork producer, it's uh, Smithfield Foods, was bought out. I believe it was by Shenghua. I believe that was what it was. It was the company. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was something along those lines. But now the Chinese are coming in and they're buying our oil fields in Texas. I'm sorry, but I think that our our deal ends when you start purchasing assets that keep nations sovereign. That's where it stops. Very important to understand. Sharp power. Sharp power. That's what the uh, that's the method that the Chinese use uh, to infiltrate countries and get into different aspects of it. So, yes. There is a lot when it comes down to um, their uh, their influence and in operations into the United States specifically because they view the U.S. as their number one enemy. So the findings of the investigation were presented in a form of a report card grading each company on whether it was banned communist officials and news outlets applied warning labels to their content and fact checked their claims for accuracy. Listen to this. All of the websites failed these tests. Twitter received a D minus. 
Facebook received a C plus and YouTube received a C minus grades that imply each still permits the dissemination of anti-U.S. communist propaganda, often without warning labels for readers. So they'll tell you what you should read, but they won't tell you what you shouldn't read. See, everything's topsy-turvy with these people. Any other points you want to make? I see nothing wrong, comrade. Everything's <laughs> fine, comrade. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was hoping that both of you would just see the light and come on board with that. Well, see, now we don't have to exile you. We don't have to send you to Siberia to learn the error of your ways. Mm. See, we can keep you in the fold now. So anyway, um, it's a great idea on paper, terrible in implementation. Thank you guys for your time today. Thank you to the listeners. If you haven't already, please do give us a follow on Parler. Parler is a social media platform that's out there that's basically an alternative to Twitter. You know, during the process of the exodus of Twitter that they have actively engaged in a campaign on at Parler. So if you're leaving Twitter, you're looking for another place to go, please, I I encourage you to check out Parler. You can follow us over there. You can follow myself. I'm at JAnderson3. You can follow Marty as well. He's at Marty Foster. You can drop us comments. You can, well, not tweet, but you can parlay to us. Your ideas, your comments, your feedback, whatever you like, we welcome all of it, good or bad, doesn't matter. Thank you guys for your time today. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 